You're all very welcome uh, to this morning's webinar. This is part of the HCI webinar series. And today we're going to be spending some time looking at some of the learnings from completing serious instant reviews. And we're going to approach this, I suppose, as three different elements to it. First of all, we're going to look at the importance of having a robust instant management process integral to your quality and management system. And that's the first thing we're going to look at. Then we're going to look at some of the problems and issues that services have run into when they've tried to embark on a serious instant review. And finally, then we're going to look at some of the key areas that we would recommend that you focus on to ensure that you have a robust instant review process. So that's kind of how we're going to approach it. First of all, uh, in relation to introductions, my name is Una Gilvari and I am the Chief Technical Officer in HCI. Um, and for those of you who may not have worked or, or, uh, with HCI previously, we work with providers of health and social care services to make intelligence-driven decisions to attain, manage and improve quality and safety regulatory compliance. We're over 17 years in business now and have offices both in Galway and in uh, Dublin also. And we have worked with uh, health and social care providers really across the spectrum at this stage from acute services, mental health services and uh, residential care providers also. So with that uh, out of the way, I suppose what we generally start with, with in relation to the webinars, so we ask, oh, why are we here? Why are we discussing this and, and what is the importance of it? Well, we're all very aware of uh, the headlines reporting on serious incidents uh, within healthcare services and ensure that you're, you're aware of, of issues arising within your own healthcare provisions. Um, but I suppose it, it leads to the question of, is there an inevitability of error arising uh, within healthcare? Well, from the, the WHO Global Patient Action uh, Safety Action Plan, and that stretched out to, to the 2030 review, the content in that rekindled a discussion about that inevitability in the field of patient safety and that there was a recognition that healthcare is really an inherently dangerous activity due to the complex nature of the treatment and its dependence on people. Now, that's not to let us off the hook, um, but if we cannot obliterate error, then what are we going to do to try and reduce its occurrence or as, as applicable to this webinar, its reoccurrence um, within the services? And certainly supported by the WHO, one of the key focuses is that ensuring we have an effective quality and management safety system that would incorporate that robust incident management process and drive appropriate responses and learning through serious incident reviews. So that has to be our primary focus within uh, when we look at incident review within our quality and safety management system. So with that in mind, uh, one piece of, of work that, that HCI did recently was that we completed a research paper that reviewed um, serious incident investigations across Ireland and the UK. And we looked for the common themes that were arising within those reviews. And interestingly, in the majority of those cases, the organizations in, within which serious incident reviews arose had very weak or ineffective uh, incident management systems in place, which included the, the, the completion of incident reviews. And what that allowed, uh, the weak system allowed then an approach to develop where you had very little um, analysis, no learnings arising when incidents arose, and that supported an accumulation uh, of failings that eventually supported a systems collapse and, and, and the creation of, of 
very significant serious incidents. If we look at some of examples of this, uh, the TZs can wear value trust, and that was a webinar that we did quite recently, uh, looking at the findings of that uh, independent investigation. That that review was in relation to uh, the deaths of three young women in the care of the trust, and it found that the trust failed to provide safe care or treatment and exposed patients to significant risk of avoidable harm. Well, when the investigation looked particularly at the incident management model, they found that incidents of self-harm were not adequately investigated or addressed by the trust, and that where an incident of self-harm arose, including those relating to ligatures, no changes were ever made to address the issues, and that they were allowed to continue to pose serious risks within the services. There was no monitoring or understanding or interrogation of any of the data to identify patterns or instances of harm within the trust. And that this was an interesting one, that they tried to manage all incidences in-house. They tried to keep them at a very localised, low level. And there was no implementation of external review, which would have been required under the serious incident framework of the NHS. They didn't want to allow that transparency um, within the service, so they tried to contain it um, uh, within the localised process, uh, which had a significant impact um, at, as, as, as the incidents occurred. Within the Greater, Greater Manchester uh, Mental Health Trust uh, review, and that was just of March of this year, that was released following an investigation by BBC Panorama episode in relation to footage of patients being subjected to bullying, humiliation, uh, being inappropriately restrained and in long-term isolation. And when they looked at their model that they utilised for incident and serious incident reporting, they found that it failed to provide a picture of life as a service user on the wards or as a member of staff working on the trust. So really the incident management model should be the, the eyes uh, to the, the windows to the soul, where there is a reality and a transparency of the issues that are occurring. Um, that was not the case in relation to uh, the, the Manchester Trust. And that the, because of that, the information and the communication wasn't coming through and the board detailed that they were not clear about what was happening on the shop floor. Uh, the quality of the, the assurances that were being reported to the board were very poor. We had highly aggregated data reporting, including data on incident management, which was not indicating areas of concern and as such were not escalated as red flags and driving uh, serious incident reviews as, as would have been required. Outside of the mental health focus, but the Oak and Dean Review, again, a very recent uh, independent investigation into the maternity services in Shrewsbury and Telford, um, which, which, was, uh, which was raised following concerns uh, by families of mothers and babies that died within the service. Again, within their serious incident reviews, they were found that the reviews that were completed were very, very cursory. They certainly were not multidisciplinary and they did not identify the underlying systemic failings and in some cases significant cases of concern were not investigated at all. And again, this is reflective of what we talked, I spoke about earlier, they had the, the incident management team were inappropriately downgrading serious incidents to a local investigation methodology in order to avoid that external scrutiny so that the true scale of the serious incidents at the trust went unknown. So again, that lack of transparency, trying to contain uh, when incidents arose and keeping um, them below the radar, uh, if at all possible. Just closer to home in relation to Port Leash, 
um, when they looked at, uh, this was in relation to the deaths of, of the newborn babies over six years in Portlaoise Hospital, when they looked at the incident management model within that facility, they found that it was largely reactive and focused on recording. So there was a lot of recording of incidents, uh, but there really was no response being taken, taken to the incidents uh, in, in that regard. They found that management didn't uh, collate or analyze or trend any of that information to proactively address risks, investigate those incidents or share any learning as a result. And the senior managers were open that they, they just didn't have the staff with the experience and expertise required to oversee a process of an effective uh, serious incident review. So with that in mind, um, so we, we're aware now that we really need to ensure that we have a robust localized incident management framework that's going to support the higher level serious incident reviews um, that are required in that regard. So you're all aware the HSE incident management framework, which was originally released in 2018 and now updated 2020, is, is, is the document of focus. And that specifically relates to patient safety incident reviews and that supporting that ability to decide what type of incident requires a full system review. Obviously, in the background, then we have the national standards for the conduct of reviews of patient safety incidents from 2017, and that also works concurrently in the, the, the required approach to a serious incident review. So just very briefly, I suppose, what is a, an incident review or a serious incident review? Well, it requires a structured analysis um, and is conducted using best practice methods to determine what happened, how it happened, why it happened, and whether there are learning points for the service or for the wider organization. I'm sure you're all pretty aware of when you need to complete a serious incident review that's clearly detailed within the incident management framework. So where a category or where an incident is category rated as a as a one, um, then it, it, it requires um, a, a more detailed review than the localized process. Now, you can see here the, the again, the framework provides those categories and the levels of reviews and approaches. And I suppose the one that we would be looking at and the vast majority of um, the reviews that are completed in relation to serious incidents are, uh, are in relation to systems analysis with a full review team in place. So that's the one that we will focus today on some of the key areas. So if we have to complete a systems analysis, what does that require of us? So it's a, a structured review of an incident, which involves the collection of data, the individual interviews with those involved in the incident, and then analyzing that data to establish your chronology of events that led up to that incident. And when we have all of that good work done, from that, we need to identify the findings that the reviewers considered had an eventual effect on harm. We need to identify the contributory factors to that and then identify those recommended control actions uh, to prevent future harm arising as far as reasonably practical. Okay, so with all of that in mind, we know what we have to try and achieve. And I suppose what I wanted to point out, first of all, is some of the failures or problems that services have run into in, in, uh, in our experience. In many cases, we will come into a service and complete a serious incident review where they have attempted to, to implement the process themselves and have run into significant issues or problems. Um, and I just wanted to highlight some of those problems that services have, uh, have run into previously. 
So first of all, and I suppose this is a significant one, is that services are not recognizing or accepting when a serious instant review is required. It's a really daunting thing to take on a serious instant review, particularly if you haven't got a huge amount of experience uh, in completing that. But it's really important that reviews, when they are required, when it's recognized that it's a category one, that they are instigated in a timely manner. So problems services have run into, this back and forth discussion, is it category one, is it not? Do we really require a serious instant review? That can really affect the quality of the review being completed. So that's that that's that's one of the of the key problems or issues that that services run into. Then, in line with that, where it is recognised that a serious instant review is required, there can be insufficient or really no governance model in place to support a serious incident review. So uh, we don't have defined roles and responsibilities. Nobody knows who the, the, the SAO is going to be, who's going to be investigators. Do we have liaison officers that are required by the process? So there's really no plan in place what would happen if we needed a, a, a serious incident review. No terms of reference or agenda for the teams, no multidisciplinary involvement in that team, and a lack of clarity really on the step-by-step -step process to be followed. Those of you who know the, the, the incident management framework, it's a very sizable document. There's a lot of information in it. However, a lot of the very specific details and the step-by-steps specifics are, are quite vague or, or, and can be left up uh, to the individuals that are completing the process. So if you don't have a huge amount of experience in that area, it, it, it can be very difficult to know the stages as, uh, as, as the, they, they are required to progress. As I said, individuals involved in serious incident review not being sufficiently independent is another key problem, particularly for those facilities that are working within quite a small service. And you really need to have an objective mindset and ability to step back and analyze the situation. And if everybody has been involved in the incident, it's, it's almost impossible to be able to achieve that level of independence. Another issue is where individuals completing the, uh, the review are not really trained or they don't have any practical experience in how to manage the process. Again, it's a, it's a process that requires a lot of balls in the air. Um, and if you don't have the training or experience in that, it can be very, very difficult to keep on top of the process. One of the key uh, issues we see with a lot of services is that there is a lack of understanding of what the systems approach or what a systems analysis is about. In many cases, there's the reactive nature of who is to blame or it's just one person's fault or we need to to, to identify exactly why that problem, why that person uh, did what they did, rather than approaching it in a systems perspective. Um, and again, that's going to be very, very critical to engagement by in other individuals into uh, the, the SIR by ensuring that they're comfortable in the knowledge that there is a systems review. This isn't a disciplinary action. This isn't a witch hunt. It's about analyzing the systems um, and identifying where weaknesses were there to allow an incident to arise. There can be a lack of clarity regarding the scope of the incident under review. So again, what are, we, we could have services that are really not clear of 
what is the timeline under the scope of the review? Are we talking days? Are we talking weeks? Are we talking months? Are we talking from admission to discharge? Are we talking a particular uh, period of time? So that really needs clarity uh, at a very early stage. And that can, uh, can lead to a, a massive amount of confusion. And obviously, the broader the scope, the more resources and time that's going to be required to complete the review. And in other times, there's a lack of clarity on who's actually going to need to be involved in the review, both staff and, and service users or their families. So again, at the earliest possible stage, we need to have real clarity on who is going to bring value to the review and provide clarity when we're developing our chronology of events in relation to the, to the incident. But there can be a real lack of appreciation of the time required to complete a serious incident review. Just for example, that TZ's can and we're um, investigation uh, into the deaths of the three young women. That that process, uh, um, that review process, took over eighteen months to complete. Um, now that was quite a broad, uh, broad-reaching scope. But there really is a lot of time uh, and resources required to complete an effective serious incident review. Interviews are incredibly time consuming, note taking, factual corrections to being completed, keeping that uh, uh, chronology of events live and completing those detailed reports and answering the questions that are required within those reports is very time consuming. But I'd say that information is continually being added. It's not a process that you can do a couple of days or a week on, leave it to the side and then come back again. It really is a live process that needs to be kept uh, and those records need to be kept organized and accessible at all times. Again, with the smaller organizations, there can be a real struggle to access external experts where required by the incident, particularly where there's a clinical element to it. So that can be really demanding on services to be able to identify and get access to those external experts within the required timelines. There can be a lack of engagement with affected persons. So again, both with staff or with service users and their families, um, when services, uh, if they don't have a clear communication plan and, and all the documentation and letters and forms, if they're not organized and, and, and ready to go, uh, that can really lead to a lot of problems trying to engage uh, with service users if there's not that openness and transparency of communication. And that's why the designated liaisons are so really vital to the process to support the initial ongoing and close out of communications um, with, uh, with the relevant parties. So they're, that they carry a very significant role. And if they're not there, um, it can really um, lead uh, relevant parties to back off the process. Managing the interviews in a serious incident is really, really challenging. And if there uh, is insufficient preparation and if those questions aren't appropriately individualized or focused, again, it can get out of hand in relation to the time um, and, uh, that, it, that that is taken. And also uh, it can lead to um, an inability to, to provide the answers that we really need to be able to build our chronology of events. There's a lot of emotion in that environment. And again, it is so important to have somebody independent to be able to, to facilitate and support uh, the, the interview process to ensure that we get the information that is required within the time available, uh, which, is, which is very important. There can be an inability to identify contributory factors that played a part in the origin of an incident. Um, it can be very easy, again, if we don't have a, 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 an independent or broad focus, a holistic view of it, that 
investigators can chase down one rabbit hole uh, to try and identify um, the, the contributory factors. But it's important that there is a broad approach so that we can look at the contributory factors across the quality management safety systems and really try to identify weaknesses across the board rather than uh, being blinkered, I suppose, in relation to findings. Insufficient involvement by the serious incident management team. In some cases, we've seen uh, services where they might have an inaugural meeting and then the next meeting is just reviewing the draft report. And there's an incredible shock then to the findings that are there. So it's really important that the serious incident management team is continually engaged in the process, is aware of the progress, aware of the, of the way that the, the findings are shaping up and the contributory factors well before uh, it is documented in a draft report and, and before it's communicated to relevant parties. So their engagement is critical throughout the process. But when those findings have been identified, then there, in many cases, uh, there can be a reluctance um, to, to really um, to be open and honest about those findings. And again, to fall back in that it's just one person's fault or, you know, this isn't a this isn't an organizational problem, this is an individual problem. And there's a lack of focus, I suppose, on the failings within the systems that allowed that uh, issue to, uh, to arise. Um, as I said, in relation to the Swiss cheese model, where all of those problems were lining up to uh, uh, where we ended up then at, at a serious incident arising. Report writing is incredibly difficult, technical writing, and, and you have a number of issues here. Uh, when, when we're writing reports, but the primary problem we've seen within other services is, is where we where reports are written, but there's no real clarity on the findings. They're not achieving the aim of the report. We don't really know what the contributing factors are or the recommendations made to ad address these. And it's not answering the questions or concerns that were perhaps raised by affected par parties. Um, the report is often not accessible to the audiences receiving the document, so it's written perhaps in a technical manner or overly uh, complicated and it doesn't lend itself uh, to supporting um, uh, the, the, the number of parties or, or readers that will be involved in that. Ineffective actions taken in response, so a lot of good work could be done in the investigation element of it, but then those actions to be taken in response to the final report not being done, ineffective controls being incorporated in, in, into systems, and then the risk obviously being run that the same problem arises again if those actions are not implemented. And again, those no shared, shared learning. So again, if where, where uh, findings are far too contained, they're not communicated to the broader organization, and again, the issues arise again. So there are some of the failings uh, that 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 we've seen uh, services run into and, and issues um, that they've communicated to us previously. So just, I suppose, to look at the flip side of that and some of the key areas of focus to ensure that you have effective serious incident reviews. Key is that it's timely, both for the initial reporting of the incidents and taking those decisions as quickly as possible in relation to serious incident review, not allowing the flip flopping and back and forth, whether it is or it isn't category one to 
to initiate the pro process as quickly as possible. And to allow us to do that, we need to ensure that there's full recognition of the importance of the process and that we have a robust, comprehensive governance model in place to support serious incident reviews, that we're not writing those uh, processes uh, when we have a category one incident waiting to be reviewed, that they're prepped, they're ready, they're in place, everybody's clear of their roles and responsibilities should a serious incident review be required. And that we have those resources in place who would be our independent investigators, who would be on the SIR team, who would act as our liaison officers, and that we have effective information government structures in place for the management of information. The information that is collated as part of a series of review is massive. So we need to have a really good information governance structure in place to ensure that those records are appropriately managed. We need real clarity of scope. So the terms of reference that are written for the incident really need to be very specific, clearly detailing those aims uh, and objectives of the uh, of the review. And we need clarity of the timeline, not just under investigation, the period of time that we're that's being investigated, but also what is the timeline to complete the investigation? And again, this can lead to great uh, frustration for those who may be involved in the serious incident review where you know, the, the time, it goes on and on and on. There's no plan for actually closing out uh, the serious incident review. So we need to have real clarity of that from the outset of when we're going to have this investigation completed. And if it's not completed, how are we going to communicate that to the relevant parties? So it is important just not to just focus on what happened after an incident. The timeline of the incident may have started well before then, particularly when we're talking about systems analysis. Were there system failings identified prior to that that were directly related to the causation of the incident? Preparation obviously being key detailing a real project plan with specific timelines and resources that are required to implement the, the review within the, the required timeline. Having all those communication plans and associated documents, um, consent documents and all of the letters that are required, having those done, prepared and ready to go um, is, is, is key to supporting those timelines. And having the, indivi the interview questions individualized, you don't want to be going in there with a, a set of questions as long as you are. We need to have individualized questions that are really going to support the, or the, the chronology of events uh, to really identify the information that is required. Ensuring that we have communication, collaboration and involvement with those relevant parties and those liaison officers are central to that approach and ensuring that any information that's communicated to try and engage individuals is in an accessible format. That, they, that individuals get appropriate notice for interviews, constructive questions, appropriate tone, uh, that there's emphatic, uh, empathetic engagement and facilitation and that there's real opportunities for feedback provided, not just in the factual accuracies, um, at the draft report, but that there's open engagement throughout the review process. And that if supports are required um, with the very, in many cases, the difficult content that is, is, is addressed within serious incident reviews, that ensuring that there are appropriate supports provided to the relevant parties by the service. Obviously, 
your review is only going to be as good as the investigation that's completed. So we really need tenacious investigation and ensuring that all the documentation that is relevant to the case um, is reviewed. Collating the interview information and being able to, to sift through that information to really get the key elements that, uh, that is required as part of our chronology of events. And then identifying the real findings and contributory factors. Again, that holistic perspective from a systems uh, analysis approach. We need to try and clarify our findings at an early possible stage. Again, this doesn't want to be a surprise when we get as far as the draft report. So it's really important that there's ongoing communications between the investigators, the SAO and the serious incident team. So that again, having continuity and frequency of those communications so that everybody is very aware of the, the, the review process as it develops. And that there's discussion between what, uh, well well in advance of that draft report and being communicated to the affected parties. Review, uh, we need to make sure that the review report is accessible, that it's easy to read, there's clarity on the process implemented and that it's factual and complete. Um, again, report writing can be very difficult and incredibly time consuming, particularly when we have a broad spectrum of, uh, of parties that will be reviewing the content. We need to have really effective uh, recommendations in place, and these need to be reflective of best practice and not just stop gaps that we think that will keep people happy in the short term. So that requires a real commitment uh, by uh, the, the, the senior uh, management team to ensure that those recommendations uh, are taken by the scruff of the neck and, and really implemented effectively. And that that action plan in response to those uh, recommendations is ongoingly reviewed and those controls are incorporated to drive continuous improvement within the service. Shared learning, I mean, that's central to really all of the, the, the national standards across the board at this stage. It's about debriefing of staff to communicate findings and those additional controls and monitoring those lessons learned to ensure that identified issues are addressed and those actions are implemented. It's important as part of the overall serious incident review process when, it, when, uh, when we come to the end of it, that there is a look back to some degree about the incident management process. What did it did it respond appropriately when the incident occurred? When was the issue identified? Was it reported uh, in, in a timely manner? And did the escalation process work? So we're not just reviewing the incident as a standalone, but also how the process responded uh, when an incident um, arose. So there are some of the key areas that we would recommend as, as, as areas of focus to ensure a robust uh, response to serious incident. I just wanted to bring up, this is a paper that um, it's actually from, uh, from the International Journal of African Nursing Science, uh, Sciences, and it's uh, a healthcare professional's experience of a reviewer's conduct during incident reviews at a public hospital. And I suppose it's, it's where interviews, SIR interviews go wrong, and it's certainly something that we want to avoid. But I thought it was interesting to pull up some of the uh, experiences of healthcare staff that were involved in an incident review. 
The first was shock and disbelief when notified of the schedule review at short notice. I finished counting drugs, uh, drugs with the night sister and the call came through that I was needed for the review. I froze and I thought, oh my word, what's next? I was so disturbed and disorganized, I couldn't concentrate. I just wanted the review to happen and go home. So again, lack of notification, clarity um, and, and, and communication plan, obviously severely lacking there. Another detailed frustration and confused at the lack of guidance in preparing for the review. After getting the notification, I asked the team what we had to bring to the review. No one had any idea. What do I say when I get to the boardroom? Who else is coming with me? I tried to call my manager to find out what was needed, but she was nowhere. So again, significant issues here in relation to the communication of the review process. Another, speechless when questions were asked in an interrogating and verbally attacking manner. The reviewers will ask a question to get clarity on the incident, but when you try to answer, you felt it was an interrogation. The questions were personal and hurting us without giving us a chance to explain thoroughly. Comments such as, why and how could you let this happen? Your speciality trained. Another upset where the reviewers assigned a participant blame for the incident. I was very traumatized and upset when blamed for the incident, especially because no one wanted to listen to my side of the story. They had concluded and found me guilty for something I never did. So again, a million miles away from that systems approach um, and uh, much closer to um, an interrogation indeed. Another anger at the lack of empathy from the reviewers following a session. I was hoping and wished the interviewer could understand my point of view. No matter how many times I clarified, uh, she mentioned being entitled to suspend our salaries following the incident. We were told to return to the wards and do right. I'm not sure what that meant. No one asked how we were feeling and I was demotivated. Helpless at the absence of feedback from the reviewers. We were awaiting feedback from the interviewers after the session on the outcomes and a way forward, but till today, nothing was provided. Is it business as usual or will we be getting letters from our management? So all feedback we certainly want to try and avoid when implementing our serious incident review process. So with all of that in mind, um, I suppose we have to ask, how can HCI help our support services uh, in completing incident reviews? Well, we complete several different types of incident or complaint reviews, including serious incident reviews through systems analysis, after action review, look back review, complaint investigation and aggregate review. And certainly I know that Rosemary will be very much available to discuss any of the above with you. But if that's it, I think we leave it at that for this morning. Thank you very much for taking the time to attend. Take care and enjoy the sunshine.